Hey everyone, this is Dorenda Wilson. Welcome to this week's podcast. If you don't know me already, I'm married to Daryl. We have eight kids, ages 13 to 26. We have four grandkids and we have been homeschooling for over 22 years. We have five who have graduated and we still have three at home. So we're sort of in this for the long haul. Today, I'm going to be talking about hope for the overwhelmed mom. Before I dive into that, I'm just going to give you a few quick announcements and connections. If you don't already know, I'm on Facebook. Um, Just look for Dorenda Wilson. On Instagram, I'm at Dorenda Lee Wilson. And on my blog, which is DorendaWilson.com. Notice a common theme there? I'm trying to keep things simple. (laughs) Since my name is fairly uncommon, um, I'm able to do that. So... um, Thank you, Dad, for that great, unusual name. (laughs) I'd also like to let you know, if you have not read my little book called The Unhurried Homeschooler, it is a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling. You know, homeschooling can feel overwhelming at times, and even the greatest resources out there can feel overwhelming. And um, that's one of the reasons that I wrote this little book is I wanted to really touch on the really important things or that I feel like are the really important things when it comes to homeschooling and maybe help lift your burden and remove some unnecessary expectations from your homeschooling journey. I hope you'll go and check it out on Amazon. It's called The Unhurried Homeschooler. January 22nd, I will be publishing a book called Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart. It is a 31-day devotional. So it's 31 days in God's Word, but instead of just touching on a verse or two, um, we're going to go a little deeper than that. But I also am very aware of how difficult it can be to um, make that time to spend with God and to get into his word. And so I kept these devotionals mom-sized. So we're gonna dive into a short passage and then we're gonna talk about application to motherhood and um, some of them to homeschooling. So I would love for you to check that out on Amazon in January. Also, I will be at Books and Beyond in Florida. Um, It's a town just north of Orlando, and I can never remember the name of it. But if you go to nearhim.com and look for Books and Beyond, it's a conference. Um, It's like a mid uh, school year conference uh, to encourage parents, to encourage homeschooling parents. I would, if you're in that area, I encourage you to go and check it out. Um, I think you'll be super encouraged. I'll be giving a keynote there and also doing a couple of sessions. So I would love to see you there. Lastly, I'm going to be speaking at Teach Them Diligently in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. So if anyone was planning on going to that, or even if you weren't and you're close by and want to attend, Teach Them Diligently is an awesome conference for homeschoolers. Very grounded, very rooted um, in biblical principles. I I love their approach. I love the way that their perspective um, and I think you'll be blessed and encouraged by attending. So that's Teach Them Diligently in Myrtle Beach. All right, so let's talk about this overwhelmed mom thing. Okay, so true story, overwhelmed is a feeling that I am very familiar with. I wish I wasn't. I wish I could say that I had it all together and that, you know, most days I don't feel overwhelmed, but that is simply not the case. And I find it interesting because while I'm doing these podcasts, I inevitably 
God deals with me first. And I think that's the way it should be. You know, um, if I'm going to sit here and talk to you and encourage you, I need to have walked this out and am trying to walk it out. And I assure you that's exactly what's happening right now. So when I talk to you, I am preaching to the choir. I'm preaching to myself. Um, And it actually does end up being encouragement to me to encourage you. So it's a wonderful thing, um, this this little podcast setup that, that God's given us. And I'm so thankful that you're here and sharing this time with me. So like I said, overwhelmed is a feeling that I am familiar with Um, lately. um, It always seems to be something. Um, My husband has been um, pretty sick and he is not usually very sick. And we just made a big move across the country several months ago. And I think we're all sort of recovering and we're in a new climate. And there are a lot of of details or variables in that equation. Um, But... You know, I'm also launching a book and we've just been busy with a company and different things going on. Yesterday went completely sideways. You know, things I had, you know, lined out just perfectly, totally went upside down. And, you know, you think I'd be used to this by now. You know, I'm a mom. I've had eight kids. This is, this is my life. But the truth is those feelings are very, very strong. And... And they're overwhelming. And and that's what I want to start out talking about is how do we know when we're overwhelmed? For me, it's a very strong feeling of overwhelm. It's like a wave that sort of washes over me. And um, I have a lot of different feelings and I almost can't even sort through them. So as I'm I'm asking this, I... Um, of my, as I'm explaining how I feel when I'm overwhelmed, I'd like you to be thinking about how you feel when you're overwhelmed. What are your red flags? What are the things that tell you I am definitely overwhelmed right now? It feels a lot like crisis, doesn't it? Um, Crisis hits everyone, whether that is an actual crisis or feelings of crisis, feeling overwhelmed can often feel like a crisis, doesn't it? And it actually has a very similar um, effect on us physically, mentally, emotionally, and even spiritually. And this is why this is not a place that we want to end up living most of the time. And, and this has been my struggle recently is I'm finding myself like almost living in that spot. And I'm just been crying out to the Lord and asking for wisdom and, and saying, God, what do you have for me in all of this? Because I know he's up to something, right? Because he's always working. And that's so important to remember, God is sovereign over our lives and nothing touches us that doesn't pass through his loving hands first. And a lot of those things are hard. I totally get it. And I've, I've walked through a lot of those things. But the bottom line is we've got to bring this to the Lord and, and this is what we're gonna be talking about today. And um, so we can end up living in a state of crisis and that actually seems to be where a lot of moms are living right now. Um, the American Psychological Association's Stress in America Snapshot that's a long title, isn't it? Published, this was published in August of this year. It found a statistically significant increase in stress among Americans for the first time in nearly a decade. We're stressed about money, health, relationships, and politics. We're taking on more roles and more responsibilities. We're saying yes to more. And we're inundated with messages on social media of how well we should be doing it all. Does that sound familiar? Let that sink in. I think about a decade ago, um, we did not have nearly the influence of 
technology in our lives that we do now. And I think that's a big part of it. And this is why it's so important to take breaks from it, to have boundaries with our technology. Um, I A few weeks ago, I... Uh, had a chat with Leah Neiman, who helps families navigate uh, social media and technology with their kids. And um, that was a podcast that I did a few weeks ago. So I'd encourage you to go listen to that if you haven't. But the bottom line is, it's there. That feeling of overwhelm and that that feeling of crisis is is constantly threatening to bear down on us. But as believers, we know that God said that he works all things out for our good and his glory. So I'm thinking to myself, God knew we were going to have this technology, right? In in this day and age, this is our challenge. This is one of the things that we face in our culture and in our time, but God has made us for such a time as this. So we need to navigate this by listening to the Lord's voice. We need to seek his heart for us personally and for our families. Um, and it's going to look a little different for every family and for every mom. And that's important to remember. We need to keep our eyes on him, not necessarily comparing ourselves to everyone else because everyone's uh, life circumstances and their family culture is very different. So it's very, very important that we hear from the Lord. So let's talk about this feeling of being overwhelmed. So I talked about how I feel when, I, when I'm overwhelmed, what feelings I have that that are my red flags that say, you're overwhelmed right now. Can I just ask you how, so have you answered that question? So you know, we've made a note of what it is that we feel, kind of what our red flags are. So let's move to the next thing. How do we respond to a crisis or simply being overwhelmed? So what's our go-to? What do we fall back on when we're feeling overwhelmed? Everybody kind of probably has a little different approach, a little different, a few different things that they fall back on. Where do we go for comfort? Because really that's what we're looking for. We're looking for some sense of peace, some sense of order. So, you know, there's a lot of places we can go. Some of us go to food. Some of us go to drink. Some of us go to Netflix or even get lost in a book. We go to social media. Maybe we call a friend. Um, and none of these things are necessarily wrong. So make sure that you hear, hear what I'm saying. There is no condemnation for utilizing these things at times. But the real question is, what are we hoping to gain? And are we going where we should go first? So just something to think about and ponder. I'm gonna just tell you what I run to. My tendency is to gain some sort of control. I guess you could call me a control freak. Maybe, it, I don't know if it comes with being a mom or being an oldest child or just being me, I don't know. But I do try to gain some sort of control and I end up trying harder. I just think if I try hard enough, I can find that order and that peace that I'm looking for. And often I'll put more on myself rather than less. And so this is kind of my go-to, and, and I had done this once again just recently, and somewhere along the way, I heard God whispering to me, and he said, Dorinda, you are so busy trying to take care of yourself that you're not letting me take care of you. Wow. That was uh, definitely got my attention. So I was thinking to myself, 
you're right, God. I, I don't let you take care of me because letting you take care of me would be letting go and trusting and lose and feeling like I'm losing control. And yet he is the good shepherd. One of my favorite verses is, is in Isaiah. It's chapter 40, verse 11. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. I may not have small children at home anymore, but God understands my season of life. He understands exactly where we're at, moms. He gets it. And he honestly knows the best way to shepherd us. And uh, so that was just something that God whispered to my heart and I was so grateful. And it, it's, it's a challenge for me and I'm working on it. And it's something that he keeps reminding me of and I keep reminding myself of. He wants to be my good shepherd. You know, often I find myself, I, I told you I keep trying harder and harder and, th- and right then and there, I find myself at the end of my rope. And that is exactly where God wants me. Not because he's mean or unloving. Actually, the opposite is true. He loves us too much to leave us there in that place. Too, he loves us too much to allow us to put our hope in things that ultimately will not lead to life. They won't lead to a good place. Even if it's just an okay place, it's not the best place. And what God has for us is the best. It's the place that we were made to live. It's that peace that passes all understanding. Remember that verse that says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication to let our requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You hear that peace, what they say about that peace, how how Paul describes it, it is beyond understanding. So in other words, you can be in the middle of chaos and be totally at peace, it doesn't make sense to other people. It won't make sense to the people around you. It won't make sense to the world. It'll only make sense um, in God's economy. And that's where we live. Faith is where we put our gaze. Hmm. Think about that for a second. Faith is where we put our gaze. Where are we putting our gaze? I was telling my husband the other day that... I was actually more stressed after praying than I was before I started praying. (laughs) Isn't that terrible? That is terrible. You know what it was? It was me taking responsibility as I was verbalizing all of these things. I was just aware of how many things were out of my control. And instead of letting go of them and laying them at the throne of mercy and asking God to truly take these things and walking away from them, understanding that my God was capable of dealing with these things, I was hanging on to them. I walked up there with this boatload of stuff, added more stuff to it, and walked away with the same stuff. And that is not God's intention for us in prayer. God wants us to go to him and to lay these things at his feet in full trust. And one of the things that I've been challenged with lately, um, it's actually something I plan to really uh, make a goal in the new year is to daily be contemplative in prayer. 
for me, that means that I'm really stopping and listening to my heart and expressing it to him and being very intentional and leaving my burdens at his feet and trusting him with my whole heart. Um, It's amazing because I've been a Christian basically my whole life. You know, I was four years old. And uh, when I, you know, prayed the prayer of salvation and I've been walking with the Lord ever since. And here I am at 50 years old, still learning what it means to um, let go of things and to bring these before the, these burdens before the Lord and letting him truly take them. So the truth is, this is the interesting thing. So I told my husband about the stress and the prayer and kind of my goal for the new year. But the other day as I was praying and truly letting go, I realized something and it, this isn't anything new, but it was just one of those moments that God just really shed a light on it and really magnified it to me. The truth is that we live in a broken world. I am broken. My kids are broken. My husband is broken. And at first that could sound really depressing until we look at what God has to say about weakness. The world tells us that we need to be strong. But Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 12, 10, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. He's talking about, um, he referred to it as a thorn in the flesh. There was something that God was allowing in his life that was just sort of eating at him. I don't know if it was, it was some sort of, it was obviously some sort of weakness. I don't know if it was a physical weakness or what, but he's talking about this thorn in the flesh. And he says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. I delight in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God's economy is completely different, isn't it? So God says in these weaknesses, Christ's power can rest on us. And in my husband's weaknesses, Christ's power can rest on him. God can use those. He can use those weaknesses in my kids. And I can be praying for that because God is faithful. Because it's in our brokenness, that's where God meets us. Psalm 34, 18 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those who are crushed in spirit. Isaiah 57, 15 says, the high and lofty one who lives in eternity, the holy one says this, I live in the high and holy place with those whose spirits are contrite and humble. I restore the crushed spirit of the humble and revive the courage of those with repentant hearts. Isaiah 66, two says, my hands have made both the heaven and the earth. They and everything in them are mine. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts who tremble at my word. Don't you love that? God is saying it's okay for us to have weaknesses. So when we're feeling this feeling, these feelings of being overwhelmed, doesn't that feel like a weakness? What might God want to be doing in that? 
So even though we are broken, we have hope and that hope is in God and in his word. But we have got to embrace our brokenness and stop trying to fix ourselves and stop misplacing our trust. When I try harder, when, you know, I told you my, my go-to is just to try harder. If I can just figure this out, then, you know, I'll get it together, you know, and I'll have control and I'll gain peace and I'll gain, you know, some semblance of, you know, peace in my home or peace in my heart. But I'm misplacing my trust when I do that. I'm putting my trust in myself. I'm putting my trust in my circumstances and making them fit my idea and my ideal of what is, you know, perfect and what will give me peace instead of looking to him. Faith is where I put my gaze. Are our eyes on him? That's the question. But stopping and pausing and putting our eyes on him and gazing on him and waiting on him requires us to be vulnerable. It requires us to trust. Obviously, I tend to be a perfectionist and I want an A in every area of my life. But the truth is, like I said before, we live in a broken world and I'm broken and I can't get an A in every single area of my life. Only God can do that. (laughs) So I have to make choices and we're gonna talk about those choices here in just a minute. But the other day I was walking to Uh, walking. I was probably walking, but I was also talking to God about my struggles with being overwhelmed. And he showed me some things about my feelings, these feelings of being overwhelmed. Now, these are things that he showed me as I sought his heart. And you might be able to relate to these. These um, may apply to you. Um, I'm praying that you'll find some grains of truth in here, but it's so important for each of us to go to God and ask him what it is that he wants in our situation, where these feelings of being overwhelmed are coming from, because it can be so many different things. So I encourage you to seek God first and listen to his voice, but I'm going to share with you my testimony about what he told me personally. He told me that my feelings of being overwhelmed weren't going to go away until I actually lived out my priorities. Now, that was not condemnation. I didn't hear that as condemnation. What I heard that as was when I get into situations where I'm overwhelmed, I have to make a choice. Am I going to, am I willing to take an A in one area and a B in another maybe less important area? I need to make choices in these situations and I make these choices according to my priorities. Every minute of every day, I make those choices. Sometimes, like I said, I have to choose to take a B in an area in order to get an A in a more important area. He also told me that being overwhelmed often isn't something that just happens to me. I actually choose it. I choose it by saying yes to too much of some things and no to too many other things. That makes sense. I say yes to the wrong things and, or yes to things I shouldn't and no to things that I should say yes to. I hope that didn't sound confusing, but I think you get the gist of what I'm saying. For example, overscheduling, not really thinking through how this commitment is gonna affect 
our family or that particular day or week. Um, there are always variables in the equation that we don't know about. And it's so important for us to leave margin or white space in our day because it really helps to alleviate stress. And this is why one of that my tagline is encouraging unhurried hearts at home because when we're hurried and we're frantic, we don't make good decisions and a lot of things suffer. And we are making choices maybe that we wouldn't make if we would slow down. And so God isn't calling us. This is so important for us to remember as moms. God isn't calling us to do more than one thing at a time. He is calling us to prioritize. Now let that sink in. We live our priorities out every day in our actions. So we decide Um, Is my relationship with my child, do I want an A in my relationship with my child or do I want an A in getting through the curriculum for the day? That's just an example. And I mean, there are times that really what I'm choosing in that um, is that I'm choosing to uh, encourage my child to persevere. And so I am choosing my child over the curriculum. I hope that this all makes sense. You, you see what I'm driving at? We, we have to, if we can stop and pause and look at a situation and pray over it and ask God to give us clarity as to what's really in front of us, then we can make that decision. I want an A in this and I'm willing to take a B in this. I want an A in self-care. So my, I'm gonna take a B in another area. I'm gonna take a B in maybe having the cleanest bathroom in the neighborhood. <laughs> So I hope you are kind of getting a vision for what I'm, what I'm trying to explain here. So how do we prioritize? We have to take the time to reflect regularly on the priorities that God has given us. This is why it is so important to take daily time with God. It is way too easy to lose sight of those priorities. You know, Matthew 6.33 says, seek first his kingdom. And so the, and repeat that. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So God is saying he needs to be our first priority. And at first that can sound kind of, you know, pie in the sky, but the truth is really all God's wanting us to do is to ask him in the moment, what is it you're wanting? You know, I'm in this moment of being overwhelmed. What's going on here, Lord? What are you wanting in all of this? Do you remember the, st- the story of Mary and Martha? I can so relate to Martha. She's having guests and hospitality was a very, very highly admired thing in the Hebrew culture. And so Martha was very much on her game trying to get details taken care of. And Mary chose to sit at the feet of Jesus and it kind of ticked Martha off. And I I get it. Like, she's like, I'm doing all this work. I've got all these details to take care of. Lord, why isn't she helping me? Jesus' answer really blows us out of the water. He says, Martha, you are worried and troubled over many things. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. Mary desired to hear the good that Jesus had for her. 
She desired to be his disciple. I can't tell you how many times I have been overwhelmed by my day. And maybe I'm folding laundry at the time or I'm doing dishes. And I make the choice to go to the Lord and say, God, I am overwhelmed right now. Tell me what you have for me. Because God has good for us. It's in that moment that we are being a Mary. We are saying, you know, our hands are still busy. We may still be doing stuff, but our heart is crying out to the Lord and and asking for his good, asking for what he has for us in this situation and thereby desiring to be his disciple. Don't you just love that? So I have a question for you. So as we walk through our day and feelings of being overwhelmed wash over us, we need to hit the pause button and ask God to show us what he is wanting. Because what if those feelings are a blessing in disguise? They don't feel very good, do they? So it's hard to think of them as a blessing. But what if God is getting our attention in order to help us live out his priorities? for our lives, to help us exchange what we think is best for what he knows is best. Think about that. So I'd like you to stop right now and just think about some areas in your life that you have trouble handing back to God, areas you have trouble letting go of, areas you struggle with wanting to hang on to, like I described earlier when I was praying and and bringing my kids before the Lord and just different needs and different things that I saw, um, I wasn't letting go of it. I wasn't really giving it to him. So think about what those areas are for you. And I'm gonna read you a story that I heard a long time ago. And I think it's gonna be an encouragement to you. It's called the Pearl Necklace. The cheerful girl with bouncy golden curls was almost five, waiting with her mother at the checkout stand. She saw them, a circle of glistening white pearls in a pink foil box. Oh, please, mommy, can I have them? Please. Quickly, the mother checked the back of the little box and looked back into the pleading blue eyes of her little girl's upturned face. A dollar ninety-five. That's almost two dollars. If you really want them, I... I'll think of some extra chores for you and in no time you can save enough money to buy them for yourself. Your birthday is only a week away and you might get another dollar from grandma. As soon as Jenny got home, she emptied her penny bank and counted out 17 pennies. After dinner, she did more than her share of chores and she went to the neighbors and asked Mrs. McJames if she could pick dandelions for 10 cents. On her birthday, grandma did give her another new dollar bill and at last she had enough money to buy the necklace. Jenny loved her pearls. They made her feel dressed up and grown up. She wore them everywhere, Sunday school, kindergarten, even to bed. The only time she took them off was when she went swimming or had a bubble bath. Mother said if they got wet, they might turn her neck green. Jenny had a very loving daddy, and every night when she was ready for bed, he would stop whatever he was doing and come upstairs and read her a story. One night, when he, was fin- when he finished the story, he asked Jenny, do you love me? Oh, yes, Daddy, you know that I love you. Then give me your pearls. Oh, my goodness. Oh, no, Daddy, not my pearls. 
But you can have Princess, the white horse from my collection, the one with the pink tail, remember, Daddy? The one you gave me? She's my favorite. That's okay, honey. Daddy loves you. Good night. And he brushed her cheek with a kiss. About a week later, after the story time, Jenny's daddy asked again, Do you love me? Daddy, you know I love you. Then give me your pearls. Oh, Daddy, not my pearls. But you can have my baby doll, the brand new one I got for my birthday. She is so beautiful, and you can have the yellow blanket that matches her sleeper. That's okay. Sleep well. God bless you, little one. Daddy loves you. And as always, he brushed her cheek with a gentle kiss. A few nights later, when her daddy came in, Jenny was sitting on her bed with her legs crossed, Indian style. As he came close, he noticed her chin was trembling and one silent tear rolled down her cheek. What is it, Jenny? What's the matter? Jenny didn't say anything, but lifted her little hand up to her daddy. And when she opened it, There was her little pearl necklace. With a little quiver, she finally said, Here, Daddy, it's for you. With tears gathering in his own eyes, Jenny's kind daddy reached out with one hand to take the dime store necklace. And with the other hand, he reached into his pocket and pulled out a blue velvet case with a strand of genuine pearls and gave them to Jenny. He had 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 them the whole time. He was just waiting for her to give up the dime store stuff so he could give her the genuine treasure. So it is with our Heavenly Father. He's waiting for us to give up the cheap things in our lives so that he can give us beautiful treasure. Isn't God good? Are you holding on to things which God wants you to let go of? Are you holding on to harmful or unnecessary relationships, habits, and activities which you have become so attached to that it seems impossible to let go? Sometimes it is hard to see what is in the other hand, but do believe this one thing. God will never take away something without giving you something better in its place. Don't you love that? God has something better for us. We have to be willing to slow down and listen for his voice. We need to take time with him. It's easy to feel like we don't have time, especially as moms. But the truth is that unless we hear from him, we are going to continue to feel overwhelmed and our decisions will be made from that place rather than a place of faith. Instead, every time we feel overwhelmed, we can make decisions from a place of priority, a place that God has given us. God understands where we are in this season of motherhood. He's not asking for perfection. He simply wants our hearts to be turned toward him. We need to continue to grow in our understanding of who he is by being in the word and allowing ourselves to be vulnerable before him as we pour our hearts out to him. This can happen while we're folding laundry or doing dishes. He wants us to invite him into the mess so that we can see his power working through our weakness. And then we will declare with Job, who said, I had only heard of you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you that you love us so much, that you don't allow us to stay in a place that isn't good for us. Thank you for the feelings of, that we experience of being overwhelmed and let us remember that they just might be you getting our attention and help us to respond, Lord, 
to seek your face, to seek your heart for our lives and for our families' lives throughout the day, to make decisions from the priorities that you have set before us. God, we need to hear your voice. And so I just pray that you would speak to every mom who's listening right now by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would just speak clearly to each and every heart. God, give these moms wisdom. They're raising the next generation and doing something incredible in their homes. I pray that we would not allow the enemy to get a foothold, but God, we would continue to set our faces towards you, to set our gaze on you, Father. Our faith is uh, where we put our gaze. Help us to put our gaze on you regularly, Lord, every single day. We need your wisdom. We need your clear direction. We thank you that you promised that if we sought you for wisdom and believe that you're gonna give it to us, God, that you will be faithful to give us everything we need. We praise you and thank you for your goodness. Thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen.